Hello and welcome. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying, Blessing I certainly will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac, as a pledge of what was to come, what God had promised him. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, and with them in all disputes the oath taken for confirmation is final, ending strife. Accordingly, God also in his desire to show more convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise, the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan, intervened and mediated with an oath. This was so that by two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, in which it is impossible for God ever to, to prove false or deceive us, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip. And it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it, a hope that reaches farther and enters into the, the very certainty of the presence within the veil, where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay, so now God made a promise to Abraham. What was the promise? In blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply you. Now you can read the, the life of Abraham. In Genesis it says, And Abraham was extremely rich in silver, gold, and livestock. So now God really wanted to bless him. And he blessed him really. He was really rich. But apart from that, he received what God has promised. Because Abraham believed the promise. And then he received what God had promised. But God didn't only promise. The promise would have been enough. But He didn't only promise. He wanted to show more convincingly His heart for Abraham and for us now. And He said, In blessing I will bless you, in multiplying I will multiply you. But He swore it by Himself, since He could find no one greater. So he, he was a, God was humble. He looked around. Is there anyone greater? <laughs> I wanted to find someone who is greater than me by whom I can swear. But he found no one. So, okay. He swore by himself. Alright. So, there is no one greater than him. So, he swore by himself. Saying, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. So, now you can say, okay. But, it, that was for Abraham. But the Bible says, it, it was for everyone who has come for refuge to Christ. It was for everyone who has now by faith been made sons of Abraham. Okay, so how does that work? Jesus Christ was the heir according to the promise. And we are now in Christ. And that makes us joint heirs with Christ. Heirs according to the promise. Okay, so let's look a bit more to that and go to Galatians chapter 3. Verse 7. Know and understand that it is really the people who live by faith who are true sons of Abraham. Okay, so Abraham had a physical seed and a spiritual seed. Okay, so uh, it was fulfilled in Christ. So everyone now who believes in Christ, who is now one with Christ, is the true seed, the true sons of Abraham, who was born by the promise and not 
by uh, the will of the flesh. So there's a lot of people in the world say that, that says, and they, their claim to fame is that they are physical sons of Abraham. But you know, before God, it doesn't actually really matter at all, being a physical seed of Abraham. If you don't believe and become born again and become the spiritual seed of Abraham, you will have absolutely no benefit of the inheritance and the promise and this oath that God has, has swore. So you have to really believe in what Jesus did for you. Become born again. Become a partaker with Christ of this inheritance. And then you will have all things. Okay? Verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify, uh, declare righteous, put in right standing with himself, the Gentiles, in consequence of faith, proclaimed the gospel, foretelling the, the glad tidings of a Savior long beforehand to Abraham, in the promise, saying, In you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. So then, those who are people of faith are blessed and made happy and favored by God as partners in fellowship with the believing and trusting Abraham. But now listen to verse 10. And you really need to listen if you like a legalistic word. And all who depend on the law, who are seeking to be justified by obedience to the law of ritual, are under a curse and doomed to disappointment and destruction. For it is written in the scriptures, Cursed be everyone who does not continue to abide by all the precepts and commands written in the book of the law and practice them. Verse 11. Now it is evident that no person is justified and declared righteous through the law. For the scripture says, The man in right standing with God, the just, the righteous, shall live by and out of faith. And he who through and by faith is declared righteous and in right standing with God shall live. But the Lord does not rest on faith, does not require faith, has nothing to do with faith. For it itself says, He who does them, the things prescribed by the law, shall live by them and not by faith. Christ purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law and its condemnation by Himself becoming a curse for us. For it is written in the Scriptures, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or is crucified. There is no way when you look at the law that you will receive any blessing. So people look at Deuteronomy 28 and they say, okay, this is the, the uh, Abrahamic covenant and then there's, there's these blessings. Blessed are you in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed you'll be a hand basket and you're needing trial and all that. Okay. So if you read the beginning of it, it will say, if, if you abide by all that is written in the book, then you shall be blessed, 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 blessed. But if you do not abide by everything written in the law, you shall be cursed in the field, cursed in the city, cursed coming in, cursed going out. So that scripture, that passage, is actually really a curse. So now people say, okay, but there are curses and blessings and God redeemed us from the curse of the law. Only the one side. No, it's not true. The whole law is a curse because it says if, and that if is impossible because Galatians 3 says, we know that no one is justified by dependence on the law. And there's a lot of scriptures that says it. So I don't know how people can look at the law and say, oh wow, it's a blessing for me. It's not a blessing for you. Jesus said in John chapter 5, you search the scriptures diligently and you suppose that you have eternal life through them. Yet these scriptures testify about me and you would not come to me that you might have eternal life. So the scriptures does not testify about you 
in that passage. It testifies about Jesus because Jesus is the only one who could do it. So you are not blessed in the law. You are blessed in Christ because Christ is the seed. Christ is the one, the fulfillment of the promise. Okay? Christ is the one to whom the oath and the blessing applies. Okay? Abraham is blessed because Christ came from him. <laughs> okay. But Christ gave himself up for you and opened himself so that you can come into him. And now we are made joint heirs with Christ. That means that everything we have now is everything that Christ has. Everything he owns is ours. His inheritance is our inheritance. We are one with him. Okay. So you are not blessed by that Deuteronomy 28 passage. You are blessed in Christ and only in Christ. Okay. But that passage, people say it's the Abrahamic covenant. It's not. Abraham is not mentioned. It's spoken about Moses. Okay. So what about these covenants now? Okay. God made a promise to Abraham. And afterward, 430 years later, the covenant came. God only said to Abraham, I will make a covenant with your seed. So, there was a promise. Then, after 430 years, a covenant was made. That covenant lasted until the seed should come. Christ came. Now that thing is fulfilled. You don't look at the covenant. It has no blessing for you. It has absolutely nothing for you. The only place where you can receive a blessing according to the promise and the oath of God is in Christ Jesus. You need to look at the cross. You need to look to what Jesus did for you. In Him all the scriptures are fulfilled. In Him all the promises of God is yes and amen. In Him the, the promises made to Abraham is fulfilled. So let's go to verse 17 of Galatians chapter 3. This is my argument. The law which began 430 years after the covenant concerning the coming Messiah does not and cannot annul the covenant previously established and ratified by God so as to abolish the promise and make it void. So, as I said, the promise came first, then the covenant came, then the covenant was fulfilled, but it didn't affect the promise. The promise is still going on. Okay? But now the promise is fulfilled in Christ paying the price for us. And Christ couldn't pay the price if the law didn't come. Because if the law didn't come, sin wouldn't have been able to, uh, to be punished because without the law, sin is dead. Okay? So, so God had to bring the law to be able to punish sin so that we could now have everything that we needed being made free from the curse of the law because the law cursed everyone who is sinful. So now in Christ we are taken out of that darkness and saved and placed in Christ who is the heir according to the promise and we have everything Christ has. We have been saved. We have been taken out of darkness into light, out of the destruction that Adam brought to us into the light of Christ and therefore we are joint heirs with Christ and blessed with Abraham. Okay. Verse 18. For if the inheritance of the promise depends on observing the law as these false teachers would like you to believe, it no longer depends on the promise. However, God gave it to Abraham as a free gift solely by virtue of his promise. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added later on after the promise to disclose and expose to men their guilt because of transgression and to make men more conscious of the sinfulness of sin. And it was intended to be in effect until the seed should come to and concerning whom the promise had been made. And it 
uh, the law was arranged and ordained and appointed through the instrumentality of angels and was given by the hand in the person of a go-between, Moses. Okay, so Moses is mentioned in Deuteronomy 28, not Abraham. Okay, so the blessing that God gave to Abraham in a promise is not in Moses' writings. So don't look to, to Deuteronomy 28, which is Moses, and say this is the blessing that we have in Abraham. The blessing that we have in Abraham is fulfilled in Christ. And when we realize it's fulfilled in Christ and we are one with Him, we have everything Christ has and Christ will just take over our lives and, and His blessing will flow through us. Okay. So now, verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, if you are in Him, who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring and spiritual heirs according to the promise. Okay. So, it applies to you. God swore by Himself, saying, Blessing, I will bless you who believe in Christ. And multiplying, I will multiply you who believe in Christ. Because you who believe in Christ is in Christ. And the blessing was fulfilled in Christ. Okay? So, right. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 13. So, now, a blessing obviously includes... Financial prosperity. God wants you blessed. He doesn't want you poor. He wants you to have everything that your heart desires. Because if, if we can see the, the fruit of financial prosperity by grace in your life, then the Father is gloried, glorified and, and honored. So if the church is always poor, always begging, then God is not honored. But if the church is prosperous and drive the best cars and have the nicest houses and have enough money to do everything in the ministry, then it brings glory to the Father. Okay? But the church sometimes has, has like a begging mentality. We think it's good to be poor, and then we beg. Oh, please just help us buy an air conditioner. Please just help us broadcast. Please just help us do this and this and this. No, how about we just realize we are sons of God and blessed with Abraham in Christ? Okay? And we realize everything is, is ours. Okay? And being led by the Spirit just give to a ministry where something happens. I think the time has come also to say that if you are supporting a ministry that's not really alive, just stop supporting it. Stop giving to religious institutions that's preaching a word to you of bondage and religion and death. Take that money and support someone who knows that he is blessed in Abraham. Support someone. I'm not speaking of myself now. I'm speaking in general now. Support someone who really preaches the grace of God, who preaches freedom in Christ. Okay? Because if you support that, then that guy will always have enough to do what God tells him to do. Okay? Then he is not in a situation where he, where he needs to pray for finances all the time. He's in a situation where he's in abundance and uh, where he can see God's provision for him all day long. Okay, but I think the, the people need to hear this. You're not bound by some law to give. You give because you are blessed and you are generous and led by the Holy Spirit. You give because it's a joy to give and it's also something that you minister to people. Okay, so in giving, when I, when I give, I'm used of the Holy Spirit to give at a specific place so that people can glorify and honor God when they receive. Okay, so like healing, I lay my hands on the sick and the people recover. It's the same with money. I listen to the Spirit of God and I give where God prompts me to give. And then the, the, it will redound to the glory of God and, and thanksgiving to God will come forth. 
Okay? So just listen to the Spirit. And when the Spirit of God leads you to give it a certain place, give there. Right, Hebrews chapter 13. Let your character and moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. Okay, so he says this, be satisfied, rest in what you have right now. Okay, but he doesn't leave it there. <laughs> There's a reason. He says, for he, God himself, has said. Now here's another thing that God has said. I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Be satisfied with what you have now because God said He will not leave you without support. Okay? So don't run around trying to crave, trying to get all the things you need. Rest in Christ knowing that He wants to give everything to you. Okay? So trust Him because He said that He will not leave you without support. He said, he said and swore, He promised and swore by Himself that you are blessed in Him and He will multiply you. Okay, so you can really trust that word and just realize whatever I have now is fine, but God will bless me. And then you are free not to go and just look for stuff for yourself, but you are free to bless people. Because when I give, it's also a step of faith saying, I trust God who said he will provide for me. He will not leave me without support. So now there's a prompting in my heart to give and I am free to give. If you just are led by the Spirit and take the freedom to give where God instructs you to give, then you will have abundance and the people that you minister money to will have abundance. So I, will just, I just want to set you free in this. Give where the Spirit of God leads you to give. And stop giving where religion tells you to give. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. Faithful is he who is calling you to himself and utterly trustworthy, and he will also do it. Fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. If God said something, you can listen to what God said, and you can trust him. He is utterly trustworthy, and he is faithful to his word, and he will do it. So let's just jump back to Hebrews again, to chapter 10, verse 23. So let us cease and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess, and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. He promised and he swore by himself he will bless you. So whatever he promised, he is reliable and faithful to his word. Blessing will bless you. Multiplying, he will multiply you. You are a joint heir with Christ. Uh, an heir of Abraham according to the promise. Whatever you need, God will supply. He will bless you much more than you can imagine. He will bless you much more than you will ever need. So that you can bring glory to God by the fruit that you bear. You can go to 2 Corinthians 1. As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what He says, our speech and message to you have not been yes that might mean no. Okay, it's not yes and no. God is not wavering between two opinions. 
Alright? And the people of God should not waver between two opinions. Yes is yes, no is no. Okay? For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who has been preached to you by us, by myself, Sylvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it is always the divine yes. For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes answer in him, in Christ. For this reason, we also utter the Amen. To God, through Him, in His person, and by His agency, to the glory of God. So if we get what we ask, because of what God said, we will bring glory to God. Okay? So God doesn't say yes and no. In Christ, His promises is always yes and amen. And therefore, we utter the amen. Okay? So look at the word. If you see there's a promise for you, say, Amen, I re receive this, I take this promise for me, this is mine, I receive it as a word of God for me. And then you can live your life as if it's the truth and as if it has happened already. Okay, so uh, Abraham believed God, Romans chapter 4, Abraham believed God, who calls the things which are not as though they were. So we can do the same. We have the word of God, the, the will of God has been revealed to us. The promises of God has been given to us. So all the promises of God is yes and amen. So stop this wavering thing. There's a lot of people that says, yeah, sometimes God says no. They write books about it saying sometimes God says no. I disagree completely. God says yes and it, the, the promises is yes and amen in Christ. Okay. So go to God knowing that whatever you ask, you will receive. Okay. So there's no thing in Christ where you... Uh, ask and maybe, oh, I don't know, maybe I'm going to get it, maybe not. Or we pray like this, God, can you give some, me something, but uh, if you don't want to, it's okay. Or God, if you have time in your busy schedule, if you want something to bless me something, maybe if you have time, please. But if you don't want to, I don't know. And we, we ask, we, we pray these faith-destroying words, if it be your will. Now, the will of God concerning this has been revealed. We don't ask, oh, if it's your will, can I have 10,000 rand? No, God swore by Himself, saying, Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. So, God is not confused. He doesn't worry about uh, our little doctrines. God wants to bless you. He's trying to break through to you. To make you understand how much He wants to bless you. Just ask Him and you will receive whatever you ask. No condition, but make sure that what you ask you want. <laughs> because I tell you, whatever you ask, you will have. If you just realize how good God is and how much He did for you. And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in Him. We are sure that if we ask anything... And make any request according to His will, in agreement with His own plan. He listens to and hears us. Okay. Now, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 9 says, Here I am, Lord, coming to do Your will. Thus He does away with the old as a means of expiating sin, which means you will not stand accused anymore. To establish the new. Then He says in verse 10, And in accordance with this will of God, we have been made holy, sanctified, okay, through the offering of the flesh body of Jesus Christ. So if I stand holy and sanctified before God, 
it means that nothing can accuse me. That means that whatever I ask him, I will receive, according to 1 John chapter 3. So the will of God revealed is, God has forgiven your sins, God has washed you clean with the blood of Jesus Christ. So according to that will, that purpose, that plan, which was prophesied from the beginning and which was manifested in the cross of Christ, according to that will you ask. And if we positively know that He listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us as our present possessions the requests made of Him. What? Ever we ask. Okay. Look at that word will. And look at it as last will and testament. Now it's absolutely in context. Hebrews 9 and 10 speaks about the, the new which has been revealed to us as a last will and testament. So God has described your inheritance in his will. Well he has done so in the cross. That's his will. <laughs> but we have an inheritance in the spirit of God. Okay. In 2 Corinthians 1 says... Uh, every promise of God is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. All right? So we don't want to, to uh, say yes and no and be a double-minded man and waver and not receive anything. We need to realize that God really wants to bless us. And He swore by Himself that He wanted to bless us. Okay? So if I go according to the Word of God, according to the Testament, according to the inheritance that I have, and ask according to this inheritance that He has now described in the cross of Christ, and ask, I will receive whatever I ask. Okay? So, final scripture, uh, Numbers 23 verse 19. God is not a man that He should tell or act a lie, neither the Son of Man that He should feel repentance or compunction for what He has promised. Has he said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? If God said it, it's true. You can receive it, you can believe it, and you can know that God really, really wants to bless you. Okay? So I just wanted to bless you with this word. It's a sure and steadfast thing. It's an anchor that reaches into the certainty of the presence of the veil. You have a real steadfast hope which says, you are blessed in Christ with Abraham. So what God says, he really means what he says. He meant it when He said it the first time. Okay? He meant it when He promised it. But to show to you that He really wanted to bless you, He swore by Himself. So it's a done deal. His will is revealed concerning this. Okay? So believe in Christ, receive the blessing of God, and know that whatever you ask in His name, you will receive. Bless you.